I feel like I'm already in church. I don't know about y'all. And I was uh, with Will about the sleep thing. You know, that's the one day of the year you're really going to catch up an hour, but we had a grand, couple of grandsons here with us. So you know how that goes. But it was, it was worth having. Amen. Hey, listen, if you think about it over the next few hours, pray for my daughter, Grace. Right now she is running in the New York City Marathon. Oh. Yeah, sure is. Uh, she's crazy. <laughs> help her, Lord. Lord, help Grace. And protect her and protect her friends and family that she's with, Lord. Let her have a good time. That She's done a lot of work to get here, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that she's able to do this. Amen. Although I don't know why anybody would do that. <laughs> she tried to get me to run with her son. Okay? I ran with her years ago. <coughs> When she was in high school, and at first I could just, you know, leave her behind. And then, you know, she was running cross country in high school, and she was playing women's soccer. And slowly but surely, she started getting faster and could go longer and get further and further away from me. <laughs> so now she was trying to get me to train with her. And I said, no, this is the way I'm going to run with you, Grace. I mean, that's be just dumb. I'd make you look so slow. <laughs> no, actually, she said, well, Dad, you can. I said, I can't do it. I can't keep up with you. I'm going to run 15 miles a day. You can run the last five with me. Maybe you can keep up with me after I've already run 10, right? I wouldn't even do that. Mm -mm. No, sir. But thank you, Lord. Amen. So um, that really was a great uh, testimony, guy. Um, and I do really believe the Lord really, what Marvin said, wants to restore people. And he wants to re restore your health. And the psalm he read, that God just wants to restore promises over people's lives. And it really is, if you think about the scripture, actually there's a, a verse in Acts, in Acts 3, where it's talking about Jesus. And it's, this is what it says, it's interesting. It says that heaven will hold Jesus. Heaven will hold Jesus until the restoration of all things. Heaven will not allow Christ to come back until, until God has looked on the earth and says, mankind has been restored to a certain point. We don't know what that point is, but it does say all things. That's a big word. Heaven's holding Christ back. We want to see the reason. Many of people want to run to the hills, right? You know, that's not a good theology for kingdom people. I just want to go ahead and settle that. This if you're a kingdom-minded person, this business of escapism has no business in your mind. Does it? Because, because God wants to restore the earth. That's what he's into. He's not into escapism. So I dare you to think that way if you're a kingdom-minded person. If you're nominal, that's how you're going to think. So if you've been thinking that way, get that nominal thought out of you. Get this kingdom thought in you that that God wants to restore all things before Christ comes back. I think that's interesting. I don't really know what that looks like, but that's what it says. You read it for yourself in Acts 3. Then Jesus said this amazing thing. He says, before, before he returns, the spirit of Elijah will be released to restore. That's the, that's the job of the spirit of Elijah is to restore what God wants restored. So this business of Christ coming back is not going to really happen until the spirit of Elijah gets released into the earth, into the body of Christ, and God begins to restore the kingdom of God. This is what I think it is. I think God's original intent right from the beginning, that mankind could have this face-to-face -face relationship with God and walk with God. That's what God's interested in restoring. And, and that's what the spirit of Elijah does because it does, part of it is restoring the hearts of the father to the children, right? Part of it is restoring the uh, wicked to the righteous. And part of it is, is preparing for Christ to come. Isn't that uh, an amazing thought? Uh, so guess what I'm going to talk to you about this morning? Let me read James. I want to read just a first sentence of James 5.17. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was a man. I, I think that's a, a profound statement. And then it goes on and talks about his, his prayers about the rain. Even though he was a, a man with a nature like ours, he listen, he's the most quoted prophet 
in the New Testament. Elijah is the most quoted prophet in the New Testament. There's 30 direct quotations referring directly to Elijah. About 30, maybe a little bit more. And at least 10 more that are indirect quotations to Elijah. Isn't that amazing? He's the most quoted. We all know Elijah for, uh, for Mount Carmel, but there's so much more to this revelation of the spirit of Elijah. So much more than, than this one event that we tend to, to focus on. So I believe Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, uh, is very important in God's past history. Also in the future, because Christ said he would come back before he returned and to, to do the things that he's supposed to do. And he's also really important in our lives today. That spirit of Elijah, the, the, the life of Elijah, so much we could learn from him that's important and applicable, applicable to our lives today. I really, really am just, the more I look at this thing, the more it really captures you know, my thinking. So I wanted to read some scriptures again. Last week I read uh, 1 Kings 17 verse 1 and talked about how Elijah appeared on the scene out of nowhere, so to speak, and how he stood up to the spirit of Baal uh, because Baal was the most powerful spirit there controlling the weather. And he was the spirit of, of the economy. He was the spirit of rain for the crops. He was the spirit of fertility for women. He was the spirit of production. He was the one who controlled all that. And Elijah stood up to that and said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years until I, uh, until I say it rains. A direct challenge. It was directly challenging that spirit for a showdown. That's what he did. He was, he was calling out Ahab, the king, the rulers of the nation. He was calling them out on the carpet and challenging them directly to their face. And said, this, is, this business, it's not going to rain. Baal can do nothing about it. You can do nothing about it. I'm the one that's going to control this situation. That's an amazing, powerful word. Uh, you know, to come out of nowhere and suddenly stand before the king of a nation and be able to say that. It'd be great to see the body of Christ in America have that yeah. boldness and authority to be able to stand up to what's going on in our world. We need that. We need the spirit of Elijah on us. We desperately need it. Don't we? We really do. Because that's what's going to make a difference. Elijah in his day made a difference. John the Baptist in his day made a difference. He had that spirit of Elijah on him. Perhaps, I really believe it's the most important anointing there is. I do think. Why wouldn't it be? Uh, the anointing to prepare the way for the Lord? Who could say that's not an important? The, uh, the anointing to restore family relationships. The anointing to restore people's relationship and know God as a good and loving father. How could that not be the most powerful? The anointing to, to cause people who are living in wickedness to suddenly come to, to, to righteousness. That would be a very powerful anointing. I would like to have that anointing. Well, this is amazing, though. I, I'm just so enthused about verse 1 of chapter 17. It's, it's amazing, the implications of it. It's like, let's go now. Let's go do this thing. But guess what? It, verse 2 is things suddenly take a, another unexpected turn. It says, this is right after he gave you this. Uh, let me read. Did I read that? Uh, I didn't read it. I'm sorry. Just in case you weren't here last week. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, this is an introduction, said to Ahab, who was the worst king ever, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And that was the introduction. That was the challenge. And that's what happened. But then it says, then the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah. Oh boy, this is getting interesting. Saying, this is really getting crazy. Get away from here. Well, you think about it. Get away from here. That guy's fixing to kill you. I don't think that's what it meant. Uh, get away from here. I believe, I'm sure it didn't mean that. And turn eastward and hide. Everybody say hide. hide. Oh, Lord, hide. Hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. 
So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. I'm going to stop right there. Now think about it. Here this critical moment in history. A critical time. This word has been delivered. This challenge has been delivered. If there was ever a critical time, if there was ever a moment that God's voice needed to be heard in that nation, it was at that moment, right? If there was ever a moment where the people in that nation needed God's voice and needed a prophet, needed somebody who could stand up for them and fight for them and be amongst them and give them courage. If there was ever a moment, that was the moment. Yet God says, leave here. Hide. Get away from here. The brook Cherith was not even in the promised land. It was outside of Israel. It was outside of Israel in the middle of nowhere. And so God says, go away and hide there. And I'll take care of you there. I'll feed you there. I'll give you water there. Does it make sense to you? I mean, you see, sometimes we, I don't know about you, but God does some dang on weird stuff besides the gin and race. Thank you for that great illustration of God doing weird things. Unless you're Dean, of course, he wanted to leave the Raisins out. So I just want to tell you a few things about what I believe about this, okay? About what God was trying to do, because here, this is what I see. If you look at his life, you see a pattern in his life that you, that I see in a lot of people's life. I see the same pattern that happens in people's lives. I've seen it in my life. This is what I'm saying. His life can help you with your life. If you really feel like God has something for you. So I wrote down just a few little things here. Uh, number one, it's about the hiddenness. Oh, this is something every uh, true uh, preacher would love. Every artist would love hiddenness. Uh, every uh, school teacher, every person who feels like God has some a special destiny on their life. But this is the last thing anyone would want to hear. What prophet in his right mind would want to hear about being hid? Right? What? Nobody wants to think about being hid. Hid is not the place you want to be. I mean, if you're a right-thinking person, the only people who I know wants to be hid are people who are running away from God. Uh, you know, there's a proverb that says, he who withdraws himself seeks his own. There is that part of hiddenness, but that's man's hiddenness. That ain't God's hiddenness. God has nothing to do with that. In fact, God doesn't really appreciate that. Uh, so... Are y'all okay? So here's the thing. Um, he said to leave and go to the brook. Uh, let me say it like this. Before Elijah could stand on Mount Carmel, so he hadn't even done his best work yet, he had to go set by a brook. Now that's a, a, a spiritual principle. Before you and I can have our best moment, we've got to go, before we can go to our Carmel, we've got to find our brook. There's a place where God's going to call every person, every one of you at some point, some of you have already been there, it's not a one-time event, more than likely, in our lives. Where God, how many people have gone, had some kind of prophetic experience in their life where it was profound in, to you? And you felt this was a, a, a moment of destiny in your life. You felt things were going to shift for you. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, maybe you went on a mission trip or something, and God used you in an incredible way there. I, I mean... That happens a lot when you go to other places. People get bold. And, and you just knew this was your time. Your ship had come in. It was your moment you'd been waiting for years on because of, of this experience, because of a dream, because of a, a, a prophetic word that you received. You just knew it. But the exact opposite happened. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And what you were thinking was going to happen in your life, your ministry was going to blossom, your business was going to explode. Everything was going to be different for you. And because you've had this encounter with God, this, you've had this promise from God, things have happened spiritually in your life. And you get the opposite. Instead of everything exploding, you, you feel like your life is imploding. You feel like your whatever it is, your business is going nowhere. Your ministry is going backwards, uh, and, and everybody you pray for dies. You know, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. You know how oh how great you are. Uh, 
that's a, that's a common thing. Actually, if you if you really look look at the scripture, you'll find all through the scripture that God, everybody God has significantly used. He he hit them before he used them. Think about Joseph. Joseph had these amazing Joseph in the Old Testament amazing dreams. Remember Joseph? And God hid him for three years. Was it three years in a dungeon before he was ever called to the to the palace of the king? Three years. King David was out. He was the nobody in the family. And received the word to come home one day and was anointed king. And it was, what, 14 years of hiding in caves and running before he was ever accepted to be the king of, of the nation. I think it was 14 years. A long time of, of being hid up. You know, Moses spent a third of his life in the desert. A third of his life. He lived to be 120 years old. He spent 40 years hidden away the backside of, de of the desert before God really used him to deliver uh, the children of Israel from uh, Egypt. That's a long time of being hidden. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, had an amazing... Think about the encounter the Apostle Paul had on the road to, the, to uh, Damascus. Think about this encounter that he had, so powerful that it knocked him off and the donkey was on, blinded him, an audible voice from heaven. Okay? And you think that all of a sudden God, he was going to be the greatest thing that ever happened. And at least he had to be lowered down in the basket because he was causing so much trouble. He had to be lowered down in the basket from the city to protect him and to, really to protect the people around him because he was causing so much damage. And he spent from three to 13 years, nobody really knows, it's either three years in Arabia or 13 years in Arabia before he shows up again. Uh, in Acts 13. And, and from there is launched to become the Paul, the apostle that we so know and love. Spent 13 years. Jesus Christ spent 30 years. God spent 30 years hidden away before anything was manifesting in his life. So we shouldn't take it as a strange thing. Uh, if God just has a call on your life, he has a purpose on your life, and, and you feel this sense of destiny, you feel this sense of happening, and suddenly God takes you and sets you aside. I think we would call it being put on the back burner. Where you feel like God is not using you, and you feel like you can't even engage in what God's doing. You just feel like you're, you're just stuck, left out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because yeah. if you don't, you need to know that feeling. You need to be there. You need to find yourself in that spot. Because you will never find yourself standing on on the Mount Carmel, really, when it when everything counts, you'll never find yourself there. You'll never find yourself there if you don't find yourself feeling like that you're you're left out. And, and your, your peers are all moving on. How many people have been in a move of God and oh, this is the worst thing that ever can happen to you in one way? You're in a move of God and you feel so accelerated by God. You feel so quickened by God. You feel so alive by God. You, you just know you're coming into your destiny. You just know that you're coming into your dreams. And the next thing you know, your dream is on the back burner. Is that the worst feeling in the world? Amen. I, is anybody here relating to yeah. this? I'm yeah. just talking to the wrong people if you don't relate yeah. to this. You should relate to this. Yeah. You can relate it in the natural if you can. So, you know, there's always going to be a preparation to carry that mantle. There's always going to be a preparation. Yeah. And, that, and you must have your time there. You must have your time of hiddenness. You must have your time of being, being still with the Lord. Because the other thing I wrote down, being hidden is your doorway to either, either power or weakness. It's your doorway to power or weakness. Okay? Now, um, you know, because one of the battles of all of our lives is is giving up the outward for the inward, right? In other words, to, to be able to get still on the inside. That, that's a battle. That's a, there's a war over being still on the inside. There's a war over being the, be still and know that I'm up to the Lord. There's a war for everybody in this room if, if you're going to really be serious about it. And that's really what had to happen for Elijah. God had to take him there. You know, in a sense, every day of your life you have an opportunity to to, to experience that, to experience your own little mini chirp every day, okay? 
And I'm going to tell you this. If you're not doing that, you're making a mistake. Now, I don't really want to hear. The common thing is I don't have time for this. That's a lie. You have time for a lot of whatever you make time for. Let me just read this scripture. You don't really want to hear that. Yeah, come on. That's good. Let me read this Mark 3, 13 through 15. I'm trying to apply this to you. This is when Jesus picked the twelve. Listen to this. He went up on the mountain and called to him, to himself, those who those he himself wanted. He called them. Went up on this mountain. Now, I want you to note one thing about Jesus. I think I've said this before. Notice how Jesus goes somewhere and expects people to come to where he's at. Have y'all ever noticed that? He's always going somewhere. Hey, hey, you know what? Meet me at the Sea of Galilee. That's where I'm going to be. If you want me, that's where I am. Here to the to those guys. Hey, I'm gonna go up to the mountain. Y'all want to be with me? Come up here where I'm at. Come up here. Why? I really do think there's something to this. We want God to come down. I think sometimes God wants to go us to go up. Well, we need to learn how to go up. Amen. And and the great thing about this, the beautiful thing about this, it says they came to Him. That's beautiful, right? They came to Him. If you if you respond when He says that, something could happen. Then he appointed the twelve, that, listen, that they might be with him, one. He appointed the twelve, why, why, number one, why, be with him. Pathway to weakness or strength, that's the key right there, that's the first thing. First, that they would be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. You get that? That's number two. Number two doesn't happen without number one. I just want to suppose that to you. And if it does happen, it's going to be some bad preaching. <laughs> I'm serious. This is going to be bad boring. It ain't going to have anything on it. And have power to heal sickness and cast out demons. That's number three. So two and three happens because of number one. Without number one, there's no two and three. And if there is a two and three, it may be what Jesus said in Matthew 7 when these people were doing these miracles in his name, and just what, what did he say to them? I never knew you. In other words, they were doing two and three somehow, I don't know how, without doing number one. So I think, this, this is what I believe, I think there's a, we're at a time right now where people need to be intentional about being still before the Lord. Because that's how we experience being seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Is by being still and being quiet and letting God speak to us. We could call, I would call it soaking. That's my, that's my term. Some people call it contemplative prayer or meditation. However, whatever you want to call it, whatever tag you want to put on it. Okay? I just think it's really important now for people because God is speaking to people. And I believe Elijah's time at Cherith, being able to be still, be quiet, enabled him not only to call fire down, but when, remember later in his life, he found himself in a situation where God wanted to speak to him. And there was a, an earthquake. There was a tornado. There's all kinds of stuff happened. And Elijah was able to discern that God was not in any of those things. Yeah. Elijah was able to discern what the scripture says. We've heard it termed the still small voice. It was the gentle blowing, is what the Hebrew says. He was able to discern out of all this commotion going around that God was in a gentle blowing. Do you think he might have learned how that God was in a gentle blowing down there by that brook, being still? And see, that's really what, why, why I believe this is important for us, is I think God wants to talk to some people in this room. And I think there's people in this room, you're not really hearing God because you're not giving God a chance to speak to you on his terms. Like Jesus said, come here to where I'm at and be with me. So I can empower you. So I can tell you some things that you need to know. And I just I just really believe I'm honored from the honest part of my heart is, well, maybe which insinuates I might have a dishonest part of my heart, but help the Lord not. I just believe that this really is a vital thing right now in particular. Uh, I don't know really why why it's so vital, but I do believe practicing stillness, practicing quietness, and you you can do ten minutes a day, 
You, you ain't got to spend hours. You can take 10 minutes and just say, Lord, help me. I've got 10 minutes that I can give you. Just for you to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to talk to me about? Do you want to talk to me about anything? Still my mind, Lord. I don't want to think about anything. I just want to be still and see if you might say something. And God, you'll be shocked. God's got things to say to you. God's got things to say to everybody in this room. In fact, God's been saying stuff to people in this room. But because we have not allowed ourselves to be still and hear Him, we're missing it. And it's messing our, it's messing our spiritual life up. Are y'all following that? Yeah. And I pray that you start doing it. Uh, if, if, I know that a lot of people in here have practiced that in the past. But I want to encourage you. that The past is over. What you did in the past, it's like the women and the, the ten virgins. They had some oil from some communion and thing that was happening in with God. But when they really needed it the most, it had run out. What you did yesterday doesn't matter. What you're doing now is what matters. God wants to engage you today. What He spoke to you was great, but the Bible says faith comes by an active hearing of God. Not what you heard, what you're hearing. What are you hearing? And if you're not hearing anything, you don't have the ability to, to function in faith. And if you'll be still and give God the chance in your life for Him to speak to you, I believe you'll hear him speak because I've heard a Lord a lot because I realize I slowly drifted away from that thing in my life. Little by little by little by little, I stopped, stopped, and one day I realized I got to get back to this because I realized I wasn't really hearing God. And once I started going back to it, suddenly I started hearing God speak to me a lot more. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let me just finish up here. Y'all seem to be really doing good this morning. I just want to talk about verse 6 for a second. It says, The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. One, ravens were forbidden by God in Leviticus. They were considered an unclean animal, right? He didn't, God didn't really like ravens. He didn't want y'all, he didn't want the Hebrews messing with ravens because in his eyes they were unclean. Yet, here you go, God to Franco in your gym. This is an Old Testament example of your gin that God took an unclean bird and fed this man. An unclean bird. Don't you just know that Elijah knew that? Like, well, wait a minute, God, this is unclean. Like, well, son, you're going to eat or starve. <laughs> you know? And he drunk it. So, one, for me, God used two things. One, he used the supernatural. A bird bringing you food two times a day is something supernatural, right? God will provide for people. I believe God wants to provide from the unclean world to, to people of God. I really do. I think God really wants... There's wealth out there that people have that they shouldn't have. It belongs to God. And God wants to... Really, and we've heard about that for years, but I believe it's true. I believe that's what that teaches us right there. I believe those birds were going to Ahab's palace and stealing his steak. <laughs> you know, and running it over the lives. Two times a day. And he was drinking from a brook. Now, think about a brook for a minute. I was thinking about it. That's the natural way. That's, that's natural, right? A brook's natural. There's nothing supernatural about it. I thought about this. Why didn't the Lord send Elijah to a river? Why didn't he say, you know what a brook is? brook's nothing. It's a little stream. It's no big deal. It's kind of nothing. Humble. You know, yeah, it's really, it takes humility, Humble. especially for a real Holy Ghost River person who's so been used to the yeah. river of God just blasting on them, and suddenly yeah. God says, Guess what? I got a brook over here, and it, it is a little trickle. It's just a little trickle. You probably can't even bathe in that thing. And that's where I want you to go. And I want you to sit there, and that thing, and I want you to drink from that. Well, that's what the Lord did. But it's interesting. <coughs> Have you ever had God to provide for you and, he, and then one day it quits working all of a sudden? Why did, why did God send Elijah to a brook that God knew that brook's going to dry up? Elijah probably knew it. Like, duh, this is going to dry up because the brook was fed from Mount Hermon, right? That's how it, it was a snow-capped mountain. And if there was a drought, there's not going to be snow. If there's no snow, there's nothing going to melt to come down there and feed this brook. So the brook lost its supply of water and eventually it dried up. And that's the perplexing thing about God. You wonder, like, God, why, why has your supply dried up in my life? You know what I'm talking about. 
We should do. And sometimes what God, how God supplies to us, there's an end to it. There was an end to this supply of, of, of this brook. You know, and this is what I call uh, the God who let me down. Does anybody know that thought? God, you've let me down. Uh, and, and this is it's crazy what it says. It, it says it happened after a while that the brook dried. It don't tell us how. I, I, was, I was thinking about that. After a while. When is after a while? After a while is when you need the money the most. And it's not there. After a while is when you need that relationship the most. And it's not there, right? It's, it's after a while is the worst moment when you can ill afford to lose whatever God had given you and now you've lost it. After a while is when, when everything has been going rough but you have had this one thing in your life going good. The, the Spirit of God was moving. That was okay, but I had some bad stuff happening. Then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God wasn't moved. At the worst moment, at the worst moment, you know what I'm talking about? At the worst moment. That's what I call the God who's let me down. I tell you, I've been in some moments where I'm like, Lord, I feel like you've let me down. I know in my mind you haven't. I know it's the truth that you really haven't, but it really feels like you've let me down. You know, when you needed that healing the most, when you needed that business deal to go through the most, when you needed really your, you know, some affirmation in your ministry or affirmation in your life, the worst moment. And it ends. And that's what happened to a lot of times. When he needed water to live, the most, he needed water. There was no water around. God allowed that brook to drop in his life. And God will allow things to drop in our life. I'll tell you that. See, that's where we really have to find God. Because a lot of people get angry with God. A lot of people get angry with God. A lot of people get disappointed. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I bet there's people sitting in this room right now. You're stuck. You're stuck somewhere. You're stuck in where God let you down. You're stuck where God let you down. You're stuck. The brook dried up. It stopped. It ended. Whatever it was. And you got stuck there. You got stuck. And you'll never get to go up on that Mount Carmel. Because you're still stuck back there. That brook that's no longer working. And you're upset. You're disappointed. You're disillusioned. You've become spiritually lukewarm. And you can't understand why God would do that to you if He's a good God. If He's a good Father, why did the brook dry? I need water to drink to live. You can bring me a ton of steak every day, but I can't live without this. I'm telling you all this with a lot of passion because I've been there. I'm not telling you something I hadn't felt and thought and shook my fist at God over. And that's one of the reasons God brings us to that place. Because He wants to get all that out of us. He wants to help us process that kind of stuff. Because He knows those places will cause things to come up in you that need to be processed. See, I don't think it's a, a strange thing that we would get disappointed in the Lord and get aggravated with God and get frustrated with Him. I don't think that's something strange and weird. If your spouse left you suddenly one day, you think, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, God is so awesome and good. No, I don't think if you got real, you'd be doing that. I think you'd be crushed. I think you'd be brokenhearted. <clears throat> if God was really using you a lot, and then one day some lie came and you lost what happened your ministry, the thing, your dream. Do you think you're going to stand up and shout and dance and say all this stuff? You're probably going to be broken hearted and crushed and wondering, Lord, what in the world? What in the world? What, what kind of God are you? See, God is not. I'm going to tell you something. God does not have those issues with us when we come to Him like that. He's not put off at us when we have these questions and these issues. He really is a he, he he beckons us in those moments. He beckons us. That's what he was doing in Elijah's life. Because Elijah, the scripture I read the first, he was a man like us. He had feelings. 
He felt things. He felt hurt. He felt disappointment like we feel it. He, he was perplexed at the ways of God the way we are. He didn't have some inside track to everything God did. If you really want to know the truth, we have more inside track than he had because we live in the new covenant. And he was getting information at the moment when he needed it. And we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And we have access to Christ. We have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit all the time, 100% of the time. You know, I did want to say this too. Um, when you think about your future, you know, everybody thinks about their future, right? Uh, you know, young people think about their future a lot. But you know what? I think older people, not, I ain't saying old, old now. I'm not saying I'm real old. But I think about my future as much as I did when I was a young man. Okay? I think about it a little bit different than I did when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. But I do think about my future a lot. I have a lot of questions about my future. And you know, the thing I've, I've found for me about my future is God doesn't talk to me much about my future. He's not saying much to me about my future at all. And I realize when I really get fixated on my future and about what I'm going to be doing five years from now, ten years from now, it's like I just lose my grace in my life. I, lose, I become frustrated. I become upset. I become afraid. I, I start making decisions based on some unknown future. Okay? Instead of well, this is where God's got me. Obviously, He's not finished here. And when it comes time for me to leave this place, He led me here. Listen, God led Elijah to Cherith. He went to verse 8. After everything dried up, He led Elijah to the next place. And if God, if God leads you to a place, wherever you're at right now, if He's led you there, and He's not talking to you about anything else, then stay right where you are until... He starts talking to you about that. And that's the safe way with God. And I think that's important for all of us. Some people are looking at me with frowning faces. <laughs> like I'm trying to mess in your life. I'm not trying. I'm just telling you my experience. I'm, I'm talking to you about my own bad life that I struggle with and be frustrated about my future. You know, which feels like I'm going down the tube. I'm going down the tubes, Lord. Because I don't have a future, I don't think. No, you have a future. I'm just having to talk to you about your future. Okay. Are y'all good? Yeah. Was I too ridiculous? Uh, yeah. I really feel like God is trying to prepare people to carry the mantle. The mantle of restoration. The mantle of the spirit and power of Elijah. And I think that's the process that we go through. So if you've been there, Hey, I want to encourage you today. You, you, God's doing something in your life. God has a call on your life. God has purposes for you. He wants to use you. He wants to put that thing on you. He wants that thing to grow. He just wants you to be able to kind of help you along with this and help you to see some things. But I think he, this is the Father's heart for us. And He really is trying to bring people up and to encourage people. So I guess Shane's taking over for Jacob. Yeah, Amen. First thrill of that. Will the thrill. Hey, listen. I want to just, just pray a blessing over you. Um, I, I just want to pray a blessing grace to get still with the Lord. Just to get still with Him. And not let all your anxieties and all the things that are pulling at your life. That God will just give you grace to find a, find a secret place with Him. Find a hidden place. Not I'm not even talking about your normal Bible reading and prayer and all that. Oh, that's really great. I really encourage you to do that. But I encourage you to, to take some time. How are you doing? If you want to put music on or some people like to listen to scripture while they're doing some people like to go in the yard and listen to the birds whatever works for you
and, and let and, and, and have this thing, Lord, I've got a lot of thoughts. I've got a lot of feelings, but I'm not interested in what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. I would really love to know what you feel, what you're thinking. And steal yourself. And ask the Holy Spirit to steal you. And you see, that's how we are able to tap in to our destiny. That's because what we're doing at that moment, we're, we're actually experiencing where we really are spiritually. <coughs> seated with Christ in the heavenly place. We're experience, that is, is becoming a reality for us, a practical reality. And we begin to, God will begin to, however he speaks to you. It may be through pictures, visions, words, whatever, scriptures, or something comes to your mind. God will begin to speak. And here's what I always do. This, I do this, and I think I've shared this with you a few times. I always ask the Lord the question. Number one, was that you, Lord? Most of the time, He doesn't answer me. So I have this default mode. If you ain't answering, I'm assuming it is. I'm really, I'm serious. That's how I am. Well, you have no answer. Well, I'm assuming it is. And number two, what does it mean, Lord? What does it mean? Because many times God will speak to us and we assume we know what it means. We assume this is what's going to happen. And we go down the road, we make decisions, we make choices of an assumption. Well, guess what? God told me, so I did this, this, and this. And then it all crashes. And guess what? We're all like, I don't know about God. What is wrong? You know, it's hard for me to dream again. It's hard for, you know. Right? Y'all done it right. I know some people in this room done it bad. God burned bad. Bad. That's what we do. Because I think sometimes we presume upon the Lord. David prayed a beautiful prayer. Lord, keep me back from presumptuous sins. Don't let me presume anything. Always let me be asking. David wouldn't fight nobody unless he said, uh, am I supposed to fight them, Lord? No, I don't fight them. Yeah, fight them. I mean, literally, he would ask the Lord about battles. I'm not just going to engage him. He would ask. And that's why he was saying, keep me back. And see, all these things happen by just being with Him. Because that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be with Him. And I promise you, when you start doing that, He'll do what He did with the apostles. I'm going to send you out, and you're going to speak, so you're going to say some stuff. But when you go and say it, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to put weight on what you say. And also, not only are you going to say something, you're going to do some stuff. You're going you're to hurt the devil. You're going to heal people. You're going to deliver people. It's going to grow. 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 If the church really gets this, we grow, grow, grow. And it's not just people we're healing. It's communities. It's our neighborhoods. You know? And then it can go from neighborhoods to towns. It can go from that. And get enough people doing that, we can, we can, turn, we can turn our nation direction. No matter what the government's doing, we can turn it ourselves. We could. Yeah, I really believe that. I believe that. I believe we're the answer to the United States of America. We are. We're the salt. We're the light. We have the answers. We're carrying the answers. It's this person. It's the Holy Spirit. Because everything is into, under something. You see what I'm saying? Everything that God does is, is going, it's going to go beyond us. It's going past just us.
find that and it, would, and it would be a pleasure to you. It would be something you'd look forward to, not something you have to, oh, I gotta read the Bible, oh, I gotta go study, go oh, God. <laughs> no, that ain't gonna work. But God will make things pleasurable to you where you look forward to it and you're aggravated when you can't. Like, ah, yeah. Lord is here today, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know if you're picking up on the theme, but he's been on this all day long for us. When the Lord confirms things and says things different ways, we better listen. What would happen if we took that word that Byron just preached and we practice right now? What would happen if we said, Lord, you just released a word I receive the grace that you want to impart to my life right now. And we practice being still right now and see, see what the Lord does. And in that still place, it's okay if he doesn't say a thing because you're just hugging each other. You're just loving on each other. You want to do that together? Just for a few minutes? Can we do that? Let's respond to the Lord.